All right, Chiefs Kingdom, we have a little special podcast for you guys today. Um, this isn't normally, this isn't something that we normally post around here. Uh, I'm going to be your host on the show today. I'm Caleb James. Uh, you guys probably know me listening to the uh, Coach's Corner, uh, the weekly podcast I usually do with my guy, Justin Hoopin. Guys, this week it's a little bit different. I've got some uh, new, I've got some new guys on here. Um, definitely not new to Arrowhead Live, but new to the whole podcasting thing. I'll go ahead and intro them in. And I'll go ahead and intro in first our uh, our editor in chief of the website, uh, Mr. Dylan Wilhelm. Dylan, uh, you're all the way down in the sunny state of Arizona. How are things going down there on this fine evening? Uh, it's going great. 75 and sunny. Uh, just enjoying it before it gets into the 100s and 110s. But, yeah, just enjoying it. I bet you enjoyed it down there this winter. And uh, also with us tonight, we have Price Carter. Price has been uh, writing with Arrowhead Live for, I think, about, what, four or five months now? Yeah, started right about the AFC Championship. Yeah. How are you I'm doing? A, I'm a bandwagoner like that. I just hopped on. Oh, I'm doing great, man. Just, uh, you know, I'm super hyped for the draft. Even though we don't have a first-round pick, uh, the first round is one of my favorite sporting events of the year. Even though there's not even real sports played, it's like one of the few nights out of the year that, like, all 32 fan bases are engaged in their team. Well, 31, the Raiders, you know, they don't – they usually have to look up <laughs> who their, their organization drafts in the first round. So, but it, it's, a, it's a night full of hope, and it's fun, and – you can kind of lightly pay attention and, you know, enjoy your night. It's, it's a great night. Yeah. You know who doesn't care about the first round or care about any prospects in the first round? That'd be Brett Beach because for another time in his career, he's not going to have a first round pick. He burned the first round pick this year. I'm not going to say burned, but he shipped it to Baltimore and they got the big pickup of Orlando Brown Jr. Um, where do you guys sit with that? Because this is a very loaded tackle class. I know I've been a little bit torn about it because I do think there are some talented players, but Brown Jr. is still, you know, he's going to be one of the top end guys and he is so long, young. Uh, I'll go ahead and start with Price on this one. Price, where are you kind of, where are you kind of sitting with this on the trade with this, with the, with the trade that got went down? So I'll be honest. I was a really strong, uh, like uh, opponent to this idea that had been floated a lot throughout the off season um, the main reason for that was, is that I just really hate the concept of giving up a pick to pay a player in addition to that very much like the Frank Clark trade where, you know, you're giving up picks on top of that Frank Clark, if we would have signed Frank Clark as a free agent and not given up the picks, it wouldn't be as big of a deal if he's underperforming, but the picks on top of the pay is part of what made it kind of a pain and part of what's kind of bringing down him bringing down the roster as is right now. But I will say that after seeing the compensation for the Orlando Brown trade um, and kind of, you know, I know that there's a lot of different draft charts out there. Most people are referencing the Jimmy Johnson draft chart after seeing that and seeing that more or less the Chiefs kind of gave up a late first, early second. And that's about it for Brown. You know, I've come around to it a little bit more. And also it, it is hard because you hear the people bring up the really good point of, well, Orlando Brown Jr. is a more certain thing than anything they're going to draft in the first round. Really, to me, the question is, is Brown going to be worth more or more valuable than a first round rookie and like Okung or Villanueva or someone like that? Because I think that that's what they would have done. They would have drafted one of those guys and then signed an insurance policy as well. 
So I'm, I'm definitely coming around to it. I do, man, I just hate giving, giving away those first round picks because I think one day we're going to wake up and see the roster is really old because they keep doing that where they're moving picks for players. But I think that this gives, I think this is a move that keeps the 2021 Chiefs in ultimate contention. Like, you know, I don't see anyone coming up in the AFC and beating them at this point. I think this was a move for the 21 Chiefs. The 23 Chiefs, the 24 Chiefs, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say right now. But, um, you know, I'm always a chronic warrior like that. Like, I'm worried about the salary cap like it's my money or something. And to this point, he's managed to always bob and weave, Brett Beach, that is, bob and weave his way through the salary cap. So at this point, you, you got to just be thankful that Patrick Mahomes' blind side is protected. Right. No, where are you, where are you going with on this? Where are you, where's, your, where's your stance on the whole situation? Because Price makes good points. I mean, you know, you talk about the cap. You talk about, you know, they're going to have to pay Brown eventually. There are those good tackles. Where are you on this, though, Dylan? Yeah, no, Price noted, too, Chiefs Kingdom's kind of hesitant, thinking back to that Frank Clark trade, the amount we gave up, and the extension that came with it immediately as part of the deal. That's a lot of money that looking back on outside of that 2019 postseason – he hasn't really quite lived up to that amount that is attached to his name. But for Brown coming over, I think a key part was not only getting that second round pick back, but also the fact that there's no extension as part of the deal, which gives Brown an incentive to play out during a contract season and gives the Chiefs time to figure out, okay, you know, this new TV deal, how is that going to affect the salary cap? Are we going to be able to manipulate the cap the way we have in the past couple of years? That gives both both parties time to not only for Brown to increase his value, but for the Chiefs to figure out, okay, how are we going to maneuver his money? How are we going to weave that into contracts where is Matthew going to get an extension? Hill's going to be due for an extension in a few years. Mahomes' cap hits are only going to start increasing as we get into his insane extension. Um, so kind of like Price, I was a little like, well, was this really the right move? But I think short term it was the best solution um but three four years down the line we're gonna really see yeah yeah i mean i i think i think like dylan said a little bit too it's it's really weird because we're in this space where we we don't know what the cap's going to do because of how much it went down this year because of the virus and everything like that um but i mean i think i think ultimately the the scary part of it is that Brown has all the leverage as far as contract negotiations go, because the chief's ideal situation is that they have to pay him a lot of money because he plays well. You know, someone said to me on Twitter today, like it was low risk because if they do sign or if like, for instance, if Brown plays awful, um, they could hypothetically tag and trade him next year, but they're never going to recruit the same value back for him if they do a tag and trade, because that means then it's the contract. But overall, I mean, I think that, like you were saying, with the TV money and the way Veach has navigated the, the cap to this time, you just got to kind of go into it with a little bit, little bit of blind faith and then also realize that, you know, even though it's not coming to happen, like Russell Wilson is like complained about wanting out of Seattle because he's not getting been protected. Um, they, I think the Chiefs, like number one, number two, and number three priority has to be keeping Patrick Mahomes happy. I mean, he basically drafted Clyde Edwards Alaire last year, so he's happy. He, the day since he's been drafted, the culture of the organization has changed, so they're keeping him happy. I think that's the best thing they can do, yeah. And you know, you talk about it, you can, I mean, 
I say this from my perspective of having broken down the college film, you can sit there and evaluate these, those guys' talent all day, but at the end of the day, they still are unproven guys. You know, you can make all the predictions you want. The Chiefs are like – Brett Beach, he's like the ultimate win-now general manager and figure everything else out later, which I think his two biggest skills are his ability – obviously his ability to negotiate and his ability to weave the salary cap Dylan had mentioned earlier. So I think all the future stuff is going to be interesting with Brown, but like from where we sit as of today, you I, I have to look at the pick in a positive manner because – they do have an established player in the there now. And when you look at Brown's intangibles as a player, they're all off the roof. You know, he's huge. He's got the massive size. He's only 24 years old. He's really got a lot of – he's got more pro experience now as a 24-year-old than a lot of guys will have in their entire time who are going to be drafted this year and maybe the same age as him. So it's going to be something very interesting to look at. I think that there's no way they spend the first-round pick on him if they're trying to like not have him around here for a long-term type of deal, I think that eventually it will be a long-term deal. I think they like him a lot. He's got traits that Andy Reed offensive lineman, you know, Andy Reed and Andy heck, the offensive line coach, he's got traits that you see in them. You know, he's, he can pull, he's mobile a little bit. He's, he's a really good down blocker and he has really powerful hands in his pass protection. Those are things they like. So that was something to be interesting. Yeah, I was curious to ask you, Caleb, because you're a film guy. One of my concerns about him coming from Baltimore is that has to be probably one of the most complimentary, well, unless you're not a run blocking guy, one of the most complimentary schemes for an offensive tackle for pass blocking because they do a lot of three tight end sets. They do a ton of chipping. They do a ton of, and I mean, also Lamar's like probably one of the few quarterbacks that you're terrified to pass rush because of him breaking the pocket down. Are you concerned about that at all? As far as him coming from probably one of the most complimentary pass rushing scheme to Andy Reid. I mean, even in the Super Bowl against a team with a great pass rush, he still left his tackles out on an Island. Um, Yeah. How concerned are you about that? Well, He's going to definitely have some things to work on. Like I mentioned, though, his physical tools and gifts are going to help him. Right now, I think his body type, he's built more for that ground-and-pound, slug-it-out type of, type of approach that they have in Baltimore. I think if he cut down on his weight just a little bit, I think that would help him more in his vertical pass setting. And, yeah, they do run a lot of RPO looks. They run a lot of play action, and they just run the ball a lot in general. He utilizes the jump set well, which, to be honest with you, the Chiefs tackles this past season, they used a lot more jump sets than they've ever used in past seasons, which I found interesting. So I think that the Andy Reid, you know, he can find the things that his guys do well. He's just kind of got to, you know, be able to figure out when they want to use them. But I mean, when I sit here and watch him on film, you know, he didn't, he maybe gave up two or three pressures to Miles Garrett the whole game. And there were some instances where he had to end up getting into a hole. You know, he had to get into a vertical pass set. But when he gets his, his arms are like 35 inches long. So when he gets locked out on you, you're going to have to go to the long way around. You're not going to beat him. You're going to, you know, they're going to have to run the loop. And that's something he does do well. And, his biggest trait, I think the thing he does well is he wins a lot or he wins a lot more reps than he loses. And that's always something important. But, you know, the Brown trade, that was like one of the first moves we've seen. Another big move in the draft, not really pertaining to the Chiefs, 
where are you guys out in the San Francisco 49ers trading down to three? Because Kyle Shanahan's ready to kill people, it looks like. He's ready to send Jimmy G back to who knows where. I'll go ahead and start it off with Dylan on this one. Where, What do you make of that? Because, you know, you're kind of on the West Coast. I'm sure you know a few Niners guys down there. What's what's the mood like with those guys right now? Are they in panic mode? So I, I texted one of my 49er buddies just to be sure. I said, I think I know the answer, but who do you want at three? And he goes, I'm going to have to seriously consider my fandom if they select Mac Jones at three. He wants Fields. He said he'd be okay with Lance because Lance is more of that that dual threat kind of could be special guy. But I don't think any 49er fan actually wants Jones. Now, of course, fans don't make the decisions. And if 10 years down the line, Jones has won him a Super Bowl, they're going to be absolutely okay with it. But there's a lot of 49er fans that are just waiting for Thursday for the speculation to end. And they don't want Mac Jones. I mean, they traded a lot to get down there. This is going to have to be their guy. This is this is their pick. This is the most crucial draft pick in the history of the San Francisco, the modern history of the San Francisco 49ers. Price, where are you standing on all this? Because it really seems like at this point, you know, they've confused everyone. Maybe they've confused themselves enough. It seems like Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are going to be the top two picks. And then you just have like Trey Lance's. Then you got, you know, Fields and Mac Jones. Where you where you at on that with them? Because that could really change the landscape of the NFL quite drastically. To be honest with you guys, I I don't think this can be overstated enough. If the 49ers draft go all the way up to three to draft fatter Jimmy G, it will be hilarious. It will be a absolute train wreck. This concept that Kyle Shanahan, because he's a great schematic coach just needs a guy to run the offense. Like the concept that that is what they want at the third overall pick is just insane. And it's not even insane in the sense that they're dumb for doing it. It's insane that that's what they moved up to do. I truly believe that they did that, that all this Mac Jones smoke is true, that they wanted to take Mac Jones at three, but they've gotten so much pushback that they truly don't even, they, they're still questioning themselves. They don't know. And I think that, I think that's part of it. And I mean, could I, could I see where all this has been a smoke screen and there's leaking three stuff throughout through Rappaport and Scheffner. And then it's always been Justin Fields and we'll all look at ourselves and we're like, Oh yeah. Like, why did we overthink this? But man, here, here's the thing. Yes, Mac Jones can probably run Kyle Shanahan's offense, but how different is Mac Jones's projection to Jimmy G? It can't be that much different. The whole point of Kyle Shanahan's scheme or Andy Reid's scheme or any of those great scheme coaches is that their players can excel within the context of the offense. But we all know that even the great schemes, they break down. And that's, that's literally what took the Chiefs offense and took the Chiefs from a good team to a great team was Mahomes, you know, Alex Smith could sit there and fire stuff in the offense, but there would be one to two games a year that were a complete dud that they'd score like six points. And we'd look at down and Andy Reid just be like, yeah, they got us. Like they just had our scheme. We couldn't do it. And then like Alex Smith was crippled by that. But those are the those are the games that Patrick Mahomes rolls out of the pocket, like does a backward spin, dives and throws the ball 18 yards to one handed DeMarcus Robinson or something stupid like the fact that they're limiting themselves to a player that can't excel outside of context, which is Mac Jones to a player 
I mean, look, Trey Lance has thrown like 300 passes in his NFL career, but I'll at least accept that from the sense that he's an athletic guy that he can make plays and can have, he, he feels like a high ceiling guy, but Mac Jones is just feels like the classic, like low floor guy. And for them to go up to three, to do that, not only would it be bonkers because they are such a good roster, it would just be like, why would you trade Jimmy G for Jimmy G? Yeah, dude. And I think this is why where it gets important is you mentioned their roster. It's completely loaded across the board. You look at their defense, you know, they got a uh, Bosa will be coming back. They got Fred Warner. They have probably one of the most scary front sevens in all of football. They Never forget little... that the Chiefs could have drafted Fred Warner, but we draft if we'd moved up to draft Bree one speaks. Continue. Yeah. Sorry. That, no, would that, get, that name that name like stings me every time I hear Fred, Fred Warner. Because because he's just in, he's a he's a bonkers athlete, and then I just remember Breland speaks. Okay, I, anyways, I hate Breland speak pick as soon as they made it, but that's just my personal opinion. I don't like short defensive ends like that in any way. But getting back off of that, the 49ers, you know, and then you look at their offense. They got George Kittle. They have uh, Debo Samuel, who is immensely underrated. Just missed a lot of time this past season with injury, but he, if you guys remember back to the Super Bowl, he was making a large impact. He's kind of like their Tyree Hill in a way. He's their X factor guy. He's their, you know, game breaker. And they just, they have a really talented offensive line. You know, they beat the chiefs out in the Trent Williams negotiations. It is what it is. He was their in-house option. It was going to be hard to outbid them at that point. And then, you know, you have the quarterback situation. You have Jimmy G, you know, he's, not good. He's not bad. He's going to win you games. He's going to keep you in games. But in the Super Bowl, you know, in the biggest game of the season, is he going to be the guy to lead you down the field? That's where the question stands. Then you get in here with Mac Jones. I'm not as low on Mac Jones as everyone else is. I understand, you know, he has a lot of the same. He's very similar to Jimmy Garoppolo. They're the same guy in his schematically. But overall, athletic-wise, uh, Justin Fields is – fantastically athletic at the quarterback position. He could be a guy that could come in and add different dimensions to their offense so they could get out of their run action type passing attack that relies on them having to run those kinds of things. And then Trey Lance, you know, I think he comes from a very pro-ready system. I think he's even being underrated a little bit. I thought, you know, at one point he could be, you know, maybe even the second quarterback taken I think just the questions with him are kind of against the competition he played against and the fact that, you know, in the only outing he had in 2020, he looked very pedestrian out there. But he has the athleticism and the arm ability, and I think he's got a pretty good amount of accuracy to be good. But do you guys think there's any chance we see, like, five quarterbacks go in the top ten or something ridiculous like that at this point? Yeah, I absolutely absolutely think – that's that's exactly what's going to happen i i mean if anything like we think back like you know the tweets tweet the chiefs tweeted out their uh throwback video from 2017 and it's just deshaun Watson and patrick mahomes went after pick 10 and the the pendulum is swinging so much more to go up and get your guy for quarterback i mean i i absolutely think that it's that it will happen that they'll take five because i think there are several teams that i want to move down Carolina's expressed interest in going down. The Lions have. The Falcons have. I mean, I if you're a team that's quarterback needy or even on that threshold, like, you know, I saw something about that the Raiders were looking into quarterbacks this offseason. 
I mean, if you're a team like them, that I mean, where the Raiders are with Derek Carr is no different than where the Chiefs were with Patrick Mah- or with uh, Alex Smith. They absolutely could have a good reason to go up and get a quarterback. So, I mean, there could even be one of those surprise teams. I think, like, you know, you throw the the Patriots in there as a name. Uh, the one that scares me is the Broncos because they have a great roster. And if they can get just something that resembles competent quarterback play, um, they could be a real force. So I, I absolutely think that's possible. Dylan, what about you? Yeah, um, especially if Mac Jones goes at three, for me personally, with Fields and Lance there, even if, say, Atlanta has their minds kind of set on Kyle Pitts, who's the best non-quarterback prospect to many experts, even if they're set on Kyle Pitts, if some team wants Fields or Lance, say Denver really wants Fields, and they call up Atlanta and blow them away with an offer, Atlanta might be okay saying, okay, you know, we're going to go Pitts, but this offer is just so good. And like you said, teams are so focused on we got to go get our guy and we got to go get him now. They'd be willing to give up those picks. And you mentioned teams that not a lot of people talk about. We always talk Denver, uh, New England could be those teams trying to move up. Could Pittsburgh potentially try to scrap together some future picks? Could Chicago, you think they're okay with Andy Dalton? I personally don't think so. But then again, in Chicago, who actually knows what they're okay (laughs) with quarterback wise. So there are some even like Kansas city move up from 27. They moved up 27 to 10. So yes, all the attention is on new England. All the attention is on Denver, but even some of those like better teams with aging QBs or a lack of a QB in Chicago, they could potentially surprise a ton of people and just say, you know what, throw that extra pick in there if that's what they want and jump a lot of QB needy teams to get their guy. If they really believe in that i was gonna say i thought that's interesting you brought up the steelers because they are a team that i thought was going to be in the runnings for a quarterback three years ago i thought they should have taken josh allen or made a move to get josh allen three years ago it didn't pan out like that for them but they're a team that desperately needs a quarterback they need just someone that can get the ball from point a to point b because their defense is so talented that that's going to be the strong suit of their team. They just need, you know, some level of competence at the position. And they've got to be planning for life after Roethlisberger. You know, this is the perfect draft to be able to do that. You know, if Trey Lance is there at 10, you think they're going to be in – because I would – if I'm Mike Tomlin, I would be on the phone. And they just gave Mike Tomlin an extension. So, they're definitely my sleeper to trade up and, you know, make some noise with a quarterback this year. Yeah, you know, Washington could be another team, too. They just signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is in his upper 30s. Is Taylor Heineke really the future? He had a great run there near the end last year, and they gave him a two-year deal. But, you know, Ron Rivera is similar to Mike Tomlin. If Lancer Fields is hovering around 9-10, they could just pick up the phone and shock everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I think that there there certainly could be a surprise team because, I mean, you, you've got the, the three – uh, that are just going to be bing, bing, bing right in the beginning with uh, from uh, Jacksonville, New York, and then um, San Francisco. But those last two guys, whoever the last two guys are, those will be the most interesting too, because I feel like those, the next, the last two quarterbacks to go will also probably go to some of the better places for them to succeed too. Like if they ended up in Carolina, I think that that's a pretty good scheme. I think that if they ended up, in Denver, that's a good, a good roster. It'll, it'll be really interesting to see, but I think the best part about all of it is sitting here talking about it and we don't have to worry about it anymore. 
like not having to like convince ourselves that, oh, maybe, maybe this is the year, this is the year, like seeing everyone tweet out their like reactions or time hop, my time hop today of the Chiefs taking a quarterback. I was, you know, it was like already winning the Super Bowl, just actually taking a quarterback. Where, uh, where were you guys at when the Patrick Mahomes deal went down? Because I remember, I know I've been watching it pretty closely. I had a feeling, you know, this might be the Chiefs season to maybe try to do it. They go out and do it, and it is Mahomes. And I know there was a lot of people in Chiefs kingdom were almost torn about it because if you remember, Deshaun Watson was still available. And I think at that point in Deshaun Watson's time, after all the games he won at Clemson, you know, he probably seemed like the guy worth trading up for. And they kind of go after Mahomes. And, you know, the talking heads, the national media guys were writing him off. And they said he threw 45 touchdowns, but he's just another prototypical Big 12 passer. But the second you throw his tape on, you don't see anything like that. Where were, What were your guys' initial reactions on old Patrick Mahomes coming to Kansas City, the deal that changed the face of the NFL? I, I liked it personally just because we got a, Q, a QB in the first round. I remember I was actually playing a baseball game, a high school baseball game, and my dad came up and he was like, hey, we traded up to 10 for that kid out of Tech. And I was like, Texas Tech, not, not the Clemson kid? And he goes, no, Texas Tech, the Mahomes guy. And I was like, okay. Because I remember, you know, hearing everybody, similar to what you were saying, Caleb, like, you know, Big 12 guy, This is this going to be an NFL-ready quarterback? He's going to have to sit behind Smith. But I was just excited. I trusted Reed and Smith to kind of, in John Gruden's terms, marinate Mahomes to be the guy. And that ended up being exactly what happened. It was, a, it was some lazy – the Big 12 quarterback is – that's always kind of some lazy analysis because now we've seen – Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, and Kyler Murray all in the past few seasons come out. So if you can play, you can, if you can play, you can play straight up. Price, what was kind of your initial reaction on the whole Mahomes deal? And did, did you think then it was going to turn into what it is now? Or did you think, holy crap, we just drafted a quarterback? So I was – so it was actually, like, perfect. I me and my buddy, we've been watching the draft for several years together. He's a big draft guy as well. We got together at a bar, ordered our food, ordered our drinks. And, you know, the draft, it does kind of tend to creep by a little bit. And I remember reading some tweets leading up to the draft that there was some news, there were some stories that the Chiefs might want to move up for something. And almost every, like, Adam Teicher, all the guys were all just like, this is going to be for a linebacker. They need a linebacker. Like, they need a guy. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe they move up a few picks, get a linebacker. Um, and I think I stayed until like five or six at the bar. Our food was d- done. We were kind of just done with the eating there. And I was like, hey, man, like, I think I'm going to head out and just like go to the gym and then probably be home for the Chiefs pick because I knew they were picking late. So I went, I was on a treadmill at the gym, which is not the crazy ironic part of the story, actually. Um, but when I was on there, I saw like it flash across the screen and then I saw Preston text me he's like dude this it's happening it's happening and I was like wait we're picking right now like how is this possible and I like I just like stopped the treadmill just stood on the treadmill on my phone and then looking at the tv for like 10 minutes just like marinating in all of the awesomeness of everyone like reacting to drafting Mahomes I mean honestly I'm just like Dylan like I you know people talked about Deshaun Watson people talked about Mahomes at that point I was just so thrilled that they took one after the dust settled a little bit um, and I just started watching some of the ridiculous throws and hearing the Brett Favre comparisons, which was kind of his first comp. Um, you know, I was, 
and I was, again, they were, I was happy that they were putting him behind Smith at that time. Honestly, my, my thing was like, okay, I know Mahomes will probably throw like 15 to 20 interceptions a season, but if he can just throw for 30 touchdowns and be a cheap, affordable quarterback on a rookie deal. And we keep this roster together. Like they could, they could really like, you know, push like my, my thing was like, if we could just get Alex Smith level play, but just like slightly cheaper. Like I was like, okay, like, you know, we get the rookie quarterback deal, which I mean, they did take advantage of that. I just didn't see 5,050 coming like ever. So, um, you know, you just, you can't speak highly enough of them having the, the gall and audacity to do it. And I, one thing that is just still so crazy about that is, is that that is like the crowning achievement of John, the John Dorsey heir. And somehow because of the way things played out, he didn't even like finish the year. Like he was out like before training camp of that year and Brett Veach was brought in and like, we all like Brett Veach almost gets credit for Mahomes now, which I don't really carry the way. Cause I guess he was the guy pounding the table for him, but it's just wild to think about that being like the crowning achievement of this organization for the last 50 years or whatever. And the guy who made the pick isn't even, or wasn't even kept. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, I mean, that was, I mean, John Dorsey was a pretty good evaluator of talent as far as the draft goes. I mean, so I'm, I miss him, man. I'm not afraid to, I'm not afraid to say it. I've, he was awesome. Dorsey was always so good. Now, I mean, Dorsey you know, could not evaluate secondary play worth a damn though. The secondary yeah, yeah. under him was his biggest flaw and it kind of crept back into the play in the 2018, some of those losses with how bad it was, but he could evaluate defensive play you know defensive line play especially and wide receivers and tight ends he had an eye he just did not have an eye for the salary cap man he I think that was the reason why he was gone you know there was a ton of unrest in the locker room I think that's part of the reason why Justin Houston wanted out so bad is because of how bad his contract was botched and Eric Berry's and then if you remember they paid like Tom Bahali, some ridiculous deal that he didn't need at the back end of his career. And he bought, he botched that a lot, but if you could get John Dorsey, like just on the talent side, he was, he was awesome. Cause I mean, they, they had some great draft picks with him for sure. Yeah. But, you know, I think ultimately kind of bringing it back around to what you were saying, Caleb, that having Veach and being the ultimate right now guy, and let's not worry about the future so much because Ultimately, like the Chiefs right now philosophy is going to serve them the best right now. And, you know, we don't know what's coming in the future. We don't know what the salary cap is. We don't know what the injuries are. So ultimately, I think that that's they've got the right guy for the job right now. Right. I agree with that 100 uh, percent. Before we get out of here, who are one or two draft prospects that you guys are either just you like them in general, you think they're a great player or even, you know, if you guys have been following or uh, looking into it, who are some guys you think the Chiefs are going to be able to take in the second round? Because, you know, I think it is important before we get out of here, you know, maybe we should talk about a few guys the Chiefs could end up taking with their two second-round picks. It's going to be Friday night before they pick unless Brett Veach blows up the NFL world again and they trade back down into the first round. I don't know if I, I – don't, I think that's highly unlikely at this point, but, I mean, they could maybe trade up early into the second round to be picking by, like, you know, 35 or 36 if they really wanted to on Friday. Neither of you guys have any prospects in that range or. Oh, I've got, I've got a couple of draft crushes. 
one is like super obscure and one is just because like i legit want to have a beer with this guy i don't know if you've seen him on twitter or just look him up google his name ben cleveland have you seen this dude mm-hmm. yeah. this guy dude this guy looks like i mean i want this guy pat, pat protecting patrick mahomes he's like a guard or center um I, I believe he's more projected as a guard, but this dude is insane. And he ran like his athletics. Like if you look at like his athletic matrix or whatever, um, he was one of the most athletic interior linemen to run. Um, he's, I, I'm pretty sure Georgia is where he went. Um, yeah. I remember him and McCole Hardman chipping, chirping on Twitter with each other. Supposedly he did the bench press like one time in practice, like 50 times. Like what, what are they bench? Like 225? Yeah. Like 50 reps. I think he did it like 38 at the combine or his pro day, but Ben Cleveland, part of it is just because he's such a like character. He looks like the type of guy that you want to go like drink a beer with, go shoot some deer with. He's a, he's a man's man for sure. But this guy is massive. Um, He's one that I would like, he's kind of in that area. And even though, they have Tooney, they've got LDT and Long, you know, Andy's hinted at like maybe the possibility of Tooney playing center. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but either way, LDT and Long will both not be on the team next year. So I'm totally okay with them taking an interior offensive lineman. So Cleveland was one. And then I am still really big on the Chiefs taking wide receiver talent pretty high up. Um, in this draft, whether it be their first or second round pick, or there's either one of their second round picks. Um, one guy that I liked that's like crept up in some mock drafts I've seen, his name is Josh Palmer. He's out of Tennessee. Um, he, I like him a little bit because he is, he's fast. He's got kind of that um, one cut running style, which I get so tired of seeing some of our uh, wide receivers running backwards. So often when they catch the ball, he's kind of a up the up the um, up the field type of guy, and I think that he would kind of fill into that Sammy Watkins role nicely, where he can kind of catch some of that stuff underneath. He doesn't have to be the big home run hitter. They've got two of those guys with speed, um, and he's one of those guys that I think could definitely be available. I, most mocks I see have him going in around the third, um, so that late second round pick they might be able to turn that into a wide receiver. And the good thing is is that with Kelsey and Hill, he doesn't have to come in and be a game breaker the first week. You know, he can develop and come along slowly. Right, Dylan. Who you who you looking at? Who you thinking? Or just what what players have you really enjoyed? You know, kind of following in this draft season. Yeah. So, Caleb, I actually believe you introduced me to this prospect by doing some film on him, Spencer Brown, out of Northern Iowa, I believe. I don't know how much tackle like how high tackle is on the priority list now after the Orlando Brown trade. But if he's there at the end of the second or even, oh man, I guess that'd really be the only spot we could grab him since the third round pick also went to Baltimore. But I know you really like Spencer Brown. And if they want more competition at right tackle or if they just want more depth in general, um, if Brown ends up walking, Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa and on the wide receiver side probably won't be there now. Um, now that we're out of 31, but Terrence Marshall out of LSU, that would have to be a guy that they'd have to get some picks to go up for now. Mm-hmm. But um, if there is a guy that Veach called up for end of day one, early day two, that would be a guy I'd really like to see in the red and gold. Yeah, this is, it's interesting you bring up Spencer Brown. And he was one of my favorite players to evaluate on this year's draft because he, he was rated – I don't put a whole lot of 
time and effort into like looking at those raw athletic scores guys do to me, especially an O-line that doesn't mean a whole lot, but if you're the most athletic lineman on any metric that anyone's ever measured ever since they've been doing combine testing, that's pretty darn impressive. And when you consider that this dude is six, nine, and it probably weighs about 315 pounds, it's even more impressive. The only scenario I could see them grabbing him is if they knew at some point they want to move Lucas Nyong into play right guard. But I still think they're confident in his ability to play tackle. It would certainly be interesting, though, because he's such a just a freakish human. He's going to go be a great pro after he, he'll probably redshirt one year, and then they'll probably, some team's going to go let him unload. A couple of guys I've been kind of looking into, I think are interesting. If Landon Dickerson's there in the second round, I know there's the medical history. I would, I would go ahead and take a shot on that and let him sit out this season, let him get as healthy as possible, and then throw him in in about a year or so. Because I don't know what all these these NFL draft scouts have said. They think he's just another guy, but when you put on the film, you can see he's so much more than that with his physical nature and his hands. And he run blocks well. He pass blocks well. He's a great leader. You know, you can see he clearly, by the way, his teammates felt about him at the University of Alabama. He's more than just a guy to them. So I love him as a prospect. The only problem is you don't know anything about his medicals. The medicals have gotten scary for a lot of teams, I think, especially the teams that are going to be drafted in the Chiefs range because you just didn't have the access to them this year because there was no like big get-together in Indianapolis. Another guy I've like, been watching quite a bit of is uh, Spencer Brown's teammate from Northern Iowa, Ellerson Smith. Uh, this guy, he's, he's going to be like a fourth or fifth. He's probably going to be a day three guy. It would be a stretch to call him a day two guy at least. To me, but he has he's built a lot like uh, he's built a lot like Tano Passio. And I'm not saying I'm saying that only for this their frame and their size comparison, but he has a lot more juice around the edge. And when you get the guys that big and they can kind of you know rip the tackle's edge and then get their shoulder to the ground and kind of bend the arc around the tackle, that's when you start to see some special pass rushers. And when you consider his physical gifts. And the fact that, you know, he really came out coming out of nowhere at Northern Iowa. He's another small school prospect guy who I'd have my eye on because I do kind of think, where do you guys, one more little thing before we get out of here, but where do you guys think you see them going in the second round? I think it, I think they're going linebacker early. I think they're going linebacker with one of their second round picks. It's the only position Brett Beach brought up in his one press conference early on that they haven't addressed so far, except for bringing back, Ben Neiman, which God forbid we have to watch him play another season, but uh, they're bringing back both, baby. They're going Ben and Nick. Yeah, uh, that was my that was my next question. What round are they drafting Nick Neiman? You think like where do they have to get him at? I mean, you you, you think about the brother tandems in the NFL. You've got the Watt brothers, the Bosa brothers, the the Neiman brothers. Man, I mean, they need that. Like those those are just clearly synonymous. The Mannings, you know, yeah, household names for sure. Um, for me, I definitely think in the second, it, it needs to be some sort of combination of edge linebacker or edge and wide receiver. Um, I edge is just definitely up there because I think, you know, the elephant in the room, unless Frank Clark has some monster year that they're going to be walking away from him, which makes the leading favorite Mike Dana and Taco Charlton, which I mean, I, one thing I do like about Spags is that his system 
feels like it utilizes pass rushers a lot better than Sutton's did. Sutton's felt like you needed a couple of elite guys to get pass rush. Meanwhile, with the stunts and stuff that uh, Spags uses, they're able to get more average guys to kind of play on play up to a higher level. But they definitely need someone. Um, I know back when they were at 31, that kid from OA or whatever, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Penn State that he was out of. A lot of people had him mocked there. Um, but yeah, Edge is definitely there. Linebacker, I like Jabril Cox. Um, that's a guy I could definitely see them taking. Um, I just am still really nervous about Willie Gay. I know that he's got some freakish athleticism and really pops, but he, he could not get Nick Neiman off the field. And, and, and Spags is not, it's not like Sutton's old system where they were, would refuse to play rookies. Um, you know, Sutton has put rookies in there. Juan Thornhill started like game one against in uh, 2018 or 2019. So um, w- with Willie Gay being up in the air, Hitchens contract, um, Neiman squared, they definitely got to put a high priority on that. Dylan. Yeah. Price and I are on the same wavelength right here. Um, that linebacking boards, a long-term option next to gay. If gay is one of their long-term options or Brett Veach could always look to help the pass rush. I looked it up just to be sure. I believe they could cut Clark after the season and save money. Mm-hmm. So if that helps motivate Clark a little bit, kind of a de facto contract year, That'd be great to see him get back to kind of his 2019 postseason form. And then also, you know, do they trust Meikle to step up and be that true wide receiver too? Or could they go late second round, late, um, excuse me, or even on day three, try to go wide receiver for somebody to challenge Hardman and compete with Hardman there? I think those are the three positions that I'm on the same team as Price there. One thing, one thing too, that I think we need to remember um, just like we all, and me included, definitely me included, um, were panicking after the first wave of free agency that, you know, they still had needs and they weren't getting filled. If they walk out of the draft and there's still a position that's weak or has openings, I think the post-June 1 cut this year is going to be a bloodbath again because of the cap. And, like, the Chiefs have consistently made moves like this over the summer or into the season with Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy. And I feel like, you know, they flirted with Bashad Breeland the first time. I think the Chiefs will definitely be able to bring in a player or two after that post June one. And there's going to be some guys, there's still some pretty good players who haven't signed like Melvin Ingram, all that, who are just waiting for the draft to pan out. So I think, you know, if we don't come away with something that we were expecting to come away with, I think that there is, they have cap space. Um, You know, Brown wasn't too much against the cap. Uh, they've got some reasonable space this year that we should not, um, you know, panic if they don't come away with a certain position. Cause I think that there definitely are still some free agent options out there. Yeah. They could mess around and blow the rest of the league up and go get Leo Jones. That would, that would be comically fun, but that seems, that seems far fetched to me, but it would be hilarious to watch unfold the tirade. It would be, a, it would, it would be a great six games. No doubt when he played. You think he'd only be six games healthy? Well, he, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, him and Sammy are in the same vibes there at this point. Though Julio is, um, you know, not in the same breath as perform- on field performance as Sammy Watkins. I, I don't know if I can sign up for another guy that you just cross your fingers and hope he's healthy for the playoffs. But especially because, I mean, 
I don't know how they'd be able to make it work cap wise. Cause that's part of it is his cap hit. So, so big. I know they said they were going to take part of it in that post June one cut hypothetical, but who knows, man, Brett Veach just keeps bobbing and weaving. So, you know, he'll put a clown mask on me if he goes and gets Julio Jones and they just like score 45 a game. I mean, it'd be fun. It'd be certainly be entertaining from that point, but I think we'll go ahead and wrap the show up here. I think we've had a lot of great conversation. It's always nice to get guys who don't usually go on and do the regular podcasts to get on, hear everyone's opinion. Uh, We'll be sharing this around. So y'all are going to want to make sure to, you know, keep your eyes posted for all the great content we got coming out at Arrowhead live for the draft. Um, You guys have any closing thoughts or takeaways real quick before we get out of here? Want to share any work you're doing? Um, your work, Caleb. Uh, we got an Orlando Brown film review coming out really shortly. Keep an eye out for that. And, um, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything. I just wrote a, I enjoyed writing my piece this week just about uh, the fun ways to enjoy the draft. Um, there's a lot of different ways. I've got my like three or four draft guides right here. I'm going to be watching on like a couple of TVs. Um, just enjoy this week, man. This is like kind of like the last week of football until. We start getting into OTAs, and before you know it, we'll be talking about who's going to be the third string backup slot corner and that jazz, and that's kind of miserable. This, this is a fun NFL week, so just just enjoy it and yeah, have a great time and read up on all the prospects we get afterwards. That's half the fun is getting to know your guys after they're drafted. Yep, best thing after your guy gets drafted, go watch this highlight video. Expect Five. a ton at expect a ton your fifth round pick and then get mad when your fifth round pick plays like a fifth round pick uh whatever man Bo Peak keys is going off this year <laughs> all right y'all uh you know go follow Arrowhead live go check it all out we got a lot of great content go check out the draft guide or our draft log that we released here the other day it's got over 140 pages of work in it it's got about 100 it's got about over 200 prospects it's a great buy. Uh, we put in a lot of hard work and effort into it. It's only running for $5 right now, so get after it. I want to thank everyone for listening to this show and keep on keeping on.